0: After all the talk he'd done in recent seasons to bring to light the widespread use and effects of pitchers using foreign substances in baseball, only to then turn around and use it himself in order to score himself a mega deal in free agency this past offseason, we all knew it was only a matter of time until Trevor Bauer's sticky stuff got him into trouble. But I doubt any of us had this in mind. Welcome to the Super Utility Pod. What's up, fellas? It's been three cold, hard months with no podcasts, no love in our lives. But like a phoenix from the ashes, the Super Utility Pod, the one and true League podcast is back and better than ever. And with the yin to my yang, you know him, you love him. I'm joined today by the one and only Justin Fawcett. Justin, how's it going, my man?
1: What's up, fellas?
0: Justin good to hear from you good to uh to be able to catch up for a bit before we started this uh, episode but i think uh you know aside from just having somebody to banter with on the pod here because people hate my voice and I talk too much anyways uh it's interesting that you and i are co-hosting this one because you and i have basically been jockeying for um <laughs> middle of the pack all season long trading off uh hovering around 500. Um, so we are the the league's everyman this year. Uh, we are the blue collar, middle class, um, backbone of this league, uh, and I think that's been a, a pretty interesting thing. So we we might be able to bring a very unique perspective to the league this year, as we've we've not been quite the seedy underbelly. We've never had to to feed from the bottom of the barrel, but we've also not tasted the riches and splendor of being at the top this year. So um, as guys who've kind of balanced on the precipice of both, it'll be interesting to hear our takes and kind of how we've navigated this season. Uh, but as we get into things, first off, why don't you just catch us up? Tell us what's going on in your life. Tell tell the people what you got going on, and then we'll get to the fantasy side of things.
1: Well, um, I guess just on my side of things, you know, living in Jacksonville life, Working in the restaurants, hoping that uh, all these local Jacksonville uh, people in our league just come and visit me. But uh, so, if you guys are in Riverside, come on over to the loop. So, you
0: yeah, know, line up. I,
1: I know I want to do some face to face trash talk every now and then. <laughs> so, especially Drager. and I mean, Drager, oh. if you're around, you know, you got to come by, bring the kids. I'll treat you the first time you come over. Yeah, so,
0: they don't want that smoke, Justin.
1: <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's pretty much life, you know, so.
0: Good deal, man. Good deal. Glad to th- hear things are going well. Um, so let's get right into it. Uh, I mentioned you and I have been kind of trading off jockeying for that, um, you know, for playoff position as we've both been hovering around 500 all year. Uh, pretty steadily each been about third place in our division for the majority of this season. Um, figured it would be fun just to take a little – overview uh of this of the standings and our as we were texting and planning things out i labeled it as a mid-season standings overview and then i looked at the schedule and we are pretty much two-thirds of the way through our fantasy regular season so it's a little more than mid-season um the year has kind of flown by we have i believe seven matchups left uh we've completed about 12 so or this is the 12th one so yeah things are heating up um So yeah, why don't don't we just kind of take a peek at the standings, um, maybe highlight what sticks out to you, um, and and what you think might change as we enter the last two months of the season.
1: Are you pulling it up?
0: I've got it pulled up, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, me too. Okay. you start?
0: Oh, I'll start? Okay. Yeah, how how generous of you. This is the best co-host this league has ever had. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think there's too much terribly that shocks me personally. Um, I think I'm a little surprised at at Matt being so low in the standings, but I guess he's, I haven't really paid super close attention. I guess he's had a handful of injuries. Um, but yeah, like I don't think before the season I would have expected Brandon to be last in, in the East, but He's kind of gone into full rebuild mode, so um, I, th- I think that's kind of to be expected. Um, with all the injuries that my teams had, I'm not super surprised that um, I'm I'm kind of just scraping over 500 when teams like Chris or teams like Cody's have been kind of humming on all cylinders for the better part of the season. And Chris has had a really good... Chris has had some great. Um, waiver wire finds particularly around pitching so he's he's really doing doing well uh i think previous to the year i might have expected myself to be ahead of chris um but i'm not shocked that he's doing better given the success he's had and injuries and poor performances i've had in the west um i don't know i think things are shaken out pretty fairly in the west i don't know that i would have expected drager to be quite as far ahead at this point in the year um, but again, he's made a handful of trades and he's had some guys um, kind of break out and really show out pretty well. But Tyler trailing right behind him, you trailing right behind Tyler, being within striking distance. Uh, and then Bradley kind of, cl- he's had a really strong June um, and was kind of trending up previous to that, even. So he's kind of clawing his way into the mix, too. So I think it's uh, things are. <laughs> not drastically different, at least not at the top of the standings. But yeah, I don't um It's it's uh it's all still fairly close. I, I, I'm worried it's getting a little too top heavy with Cody and Drager um separating from the pack so much. Um but it's nice to see that you know, of the remaining what, eight teams, that six of the eight of us are all kind of like hovering around five hundred and pretty solidly in position to, to snag a playoff spot over the the last two months. So that's, that's exciting to me that it's not, um, you know, it's not too top heavy in that sense that there's still a lot of teams that are in the mix, but what about your take?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for just com- competitiveness with the exception of Brendan, I've enjoyed it because everybody's kind of hovering around like, you know, that 500 I think Clayton's dropped off a little bit recently mm-hmm. um but like just at the f- first like well six seven matchups you know everybody was really kind of competing in there and then Brennan de- declared the rebuild um <laughs> but I guess kind of surprising is just kind of like I I thought kind of just like looking at like Chris's team like started the year like as you said like I think they had a lot of like injuries and aging players and and it just didn't seem like he was going to help like maintain it and then as you said, he found a couple, you know, guys. I think one of the ones that frustrated me the most was Carlos Rodon. I was, like, looking at him pre, pre-year, pre yeah. and I was just like, hey, he snagged him, and then he's just been, you know, doing really well every single start. I mean, the whole White Sox pitching staff has yeah. really been Shameless great.
0: plug, Carlos Rodon, who I highlighted in one of my off-season write-ups as a possible player to, to put on your team. Guys, yeah, you, you, I think what we're getting from this is you guys just need to listen to me more. Is that what you're – that's where you're going with it, right? I, I, I don't
1: know. I mean, we have <laughs> been pretty high on Joey Votto, and I have not seen much from him, so. <laughs>
0: Joey Votto is, is better than Josh Bell, and that's all I'm going to say about that.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Once you drop a player set, they just kind of go nuts for a little bit for another team, and then they just taper off again. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> Um, but I guess like also kind of, as you were saying, just a little bit surprised by like Matt as well. Like, I think Matt's been kind of the victim of, I think I can kind of relate a little bit to him. It's like, do you rebuild or do you go for it this year? Kind of both of us are kind of, you know, still optimistic about our chances. I know apparently Drager let slip that Matt's still expecting to pass me by the end of the year. <laughs> um, and so we're going to uh, see if that comes to fruition. Um, cause I'm like, right. I'm exactly from what Drager told me. Um, well, actually, no. I think I'm closer to Matt now in the standings, but like I've been kind of split in between, like right down the middle from first yeah. and fifth. So kind of like splitting the difference at that 500.
0: Yeah, it'll be Matt. I mean, Matt's kind of been in that like holding pattern, I think, for a couple years now. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see kind of what kind of what what kind of push Noah Syndergaard mm-hmm. gives him when when he gets back.
1: Um, yeah, it really depends on how the Yankees do. Considering he's got like six or seven of them. <laughs> yeah, the teams. yeah, he's so. all in, man. <laughs> and it depends on if they keep uh, if they keep the uh, head coach the whole year. So we'll see. Yeah, I know Drager's I mean,
0: calling for him to be fired every other day on Twitter. So maybe one day they'll yeah. they'll answer the call.
1: But everybody's calling Baby Steinbrenner, not not like his dad.
0: So. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's so. I think we're. Mostly in agreement about standings. Uh, not too terribly shocked at things. Uh, what I think has been shocking to me, though, is um, some of the fluctuation that we've seen, uh, particularly over the past month. I know, I, like, I guess at this point, about two months back, I made a post, um, or I guess it was about a month and a half or so back, I made a post about with MLB announcing a crackdown on pitchers using these foreign substances and um my kind of hypothesis was that we'd see a you know a pretty sharp decline um in ERA and in the number of strikeouts for pitchers um as well as a, an uptick in offense and I was wondering I was curious about how that might impact the standings because it wouldn't be I mean immediately we'd see some returns um but then over the course of you know if that's going to be the new normal for the next 2 months of the season I wonder how that could play out in the standings. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to check it out. There's that Google document I shared, um, or that Google Sheets document mm-hmm. I shared, kind of where I've been tracking a little bit of the May stats, the April and May stats, and then um, the June stats per each team in our league, which obviously doesn't account for. Some people could have down months because they have a slew of injuries or guys just like Chris's team last month, his whole offense just – Went into a slump. All of them forgot how to hit for the entire month of June, and now they're all starting to hit again. But um, so it doesn't account for things like that very perfectly. Um, but it gives a, at least an indicator on like okay, if you average all of this out, what are the what are the trends we're seeing over the league as a whole? Um, and, and it wasn't too far off. I mean, as a whole, the league uh, we saw runs jump up by like. About two, or you know, one and a half, two runs per week per team. Um, you know, home runs jumped up by about two home runs per week per team. So offense as a whole, uh, the counting stats of runs, home runs, RBIs, all jumped up a pretty fair amount. Um, stolen bases held steady, uh, and then I think the bigger change was that a lot of teams saw. Um, some teams didn't see it quite as much, but a lot of teams saw a big jump in, in batting average and an OPS. Um, and then the, the pitching side of things it's hard to say because i don't know how much of this was guys um, s- streaming more pitchers to but pitching didn't take a huge hit like uh, strikeout stayed pretty close um the number of quality starts per matchup stayed pretty close the number of wins stayed relatively close uh era and whip took a, a pretty big jump um but otherwise like you know k's quality starts and all that stuff stayed relatively the same. So pitching wasn't this, um, it it didn't take quite the huge hit that I I was at least expecting in terms of all that. So, you know, you're really good pitchers. Some of them had a a dip in their RPMs on some of their, their spin rate on some of their pitches or whatever, but by and large guys kept getting strikeouts, guys kept getting quality starts and um, it didn't impact our fantasy squads as a, as a league all that much. Um, but one of the things that did interest me about that as it as it applies to the standings is um it it really s- saw certain guys like uh like at Matt was one of the teams I think that just exploded uh he was pretty mediocre uh and I had that little the expected standings thing uh formula that I was putting in those sheets. Matt was one of the biggest beneficiaries of the the offense kind of taking a, a jump in the past month. Um, and, you know, Chris, his, his offense, you know, tailed off quite a bit, but like I said, because he's made these pitching pickups and seen some guys go off, he didn't, he kind of stayed afloat. Uh, meanwhile, Tyler, on the other hand, with his offense and his pitching, both kind of cratering for injuries and different reasons, Tyler just fell off big time in June. So I don't know if that's, you know, one month is still a small sample size and, like I said with Chris's team, you can have guys just that just go into a month long slump. So you got to take these observations with a grain of salt because that's all they are is observations. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if those are trends that hold. If Tyler's team continues to struggle in the wake of, you know, the adjustments that offenses and pitchers have seen uh, in their predictivity because of not being able to use sticky stuff anymore. Um, to see if guys like Bradley and Matt. Uh, continue to, to trend up and and make the playoff race a little more interesting but um, I know you were saying before as we were talking you don't get as into the analytics as I do um, but still being able to see how some of this stuff has impacted your team and impacted the league what are some takeaways that you you might have had from from that google document and kind of how it's applied to ways you, you've seen it play out on your roster and in the league
1: Yeah, I'd say just kind of as you were saying, like, overall, like, even just without getting into, like, all of the the numbers across the league and things like that, but just, like, you know, still following the sports, still following um, individuals and teams, I think a lot of people, um, they're doing a good job of adjusting very quickly, but the kind of the thing that I think that's kind of been hurtful for just, you know, the fun of watching the MLB and the fun of playing fantasy It's just been kind of the unpredictability that's kind of been added to it because it's mid season. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that, that goes with just, you know, I don't think that um, guys like, you know, DeGrom and uh, some of the other top pitchers have like, you know, maybe they strike out one less batter a week or, or per start. Um, mm-hmm. But they're still overall still finding ways to get guys out and still being, the best of the game yeah <clears throat> same with the hitters they're still finding ways to you know adjust to how the pitchers are adjusting i mean they, i mean baseball can be a game of chess if it needs to be um and i think that that's kind of what a lot of baseball's gone to in recent years is just kind of figuring out the metrics and the, the analytics and you know playing that game of chess when you're on the mound and, and hitting uh, rather than this is my stuff and this is your stuff let's see who wins mm-hmm. um and so I think that oh, that's been great. I think the thing that's kind of really been bringing kind of the fantasy you know element down has just been the unpredictability in injuries to the pitchers, but also injuries to the hitters too. I think just yeah. by watching and following box scores and, and seeing that, I, I don't know if this is actually true, but it feels like it is that hit by pitches have kind of you know gone up. That it's not, like pitchers aren't like throwing at players intentionally, but I see a lot more hit by pitches hitters getting on in that way. Yeah. than previous in the season and not only that like i i mean i told seth this a little bit earlier i just lost two guys this week just from like anger injuries mm-hmm. um and one of them getting hit by a pitch on the finger which you know isn't like a huge like thing gonna put them out for like two months but it's something that when you're in a matchup and you're being competitive and you lose a hitter to that mm-hmm. it kind of just you know you lose them for half the matchup essentially they take three days off and that's that's your half your matchup essentially yeah so.
0: yeah uh that's, uh, I know that's one of the things that got brought up a lot in the discussion around how MLB was going to go about cracking down on and, and policing these foreign substances was like, for ye- I mean, this has been going on for years, uh, not quite to the gre- degree that it had in recent years, but uh, I mean, even back into like the early 2000s, 1990s, like hitters knew it was, ha- like pitchers were still using like sunscreen and rosin back then and hitters were largely, or like pine tar, things like that, and hitters were largely okay with it because it it gave, it was, you know, not exploited quite to the degree it was where, you know, front offices in past seasons, like recent seasons have like been hiring chemists essentially and figuring out, okay, how do we create the perfect goop to increase your spin rate by 300 RPMs on this pitch? But, you know, previously it was just, most pitchers just use it to give them better grip on the ball, and it meant... They were less erratic, which meant they accidentally hit batters less frequently. So batters were largely like okay with that basic stuff. But that and and MLB kind of, as they always do, they take they, they let things go on, um on on uh, supervised for too long, and then they crack down too hard and just always make a mess of any situation. They came down with a crackdown and and said nothing. No no substances. We got the bag of rosin on the mound anything else is off off limits. Um, Even your sweat. Yeah. Which was like the Mariners pitcher that Hector Santiago or whatever, who like, he's saying, listen, I like, I had rosin and it was like super hot. So like my sweat was dripping down and got it on my glove and it feels sticky on my glove, but it wasn't like a foreign substance. It was just my sweat mixing with the rosin, uh, whether that's true or not, that could be him. Dismiss- but like, that's a legit, that's a very feasible thing that could legitimately happen. So like, it's just going to be a, a mess with how um, this gets policed. But yeah, that's one of the things that people are worried about is like if pitchers don't have any way of increasing the, their grip at the very minimum, um, you're going to find more injuries like Tyler Glasnow was saying where he's like he's now having to choke up the ball and grip it differently and it's working the muscles in his shoulder and his elbow differently and in, in his forearm, which could cause injuries to spike up. Guys have less control, so pitches could just go wild and hit batters, which could you know, if you hit a batter on the right spot on the the wrist or the finger, it could cause an injury, and in I else so like all kinds of variants and, and factors that could um, that will continue to see unfold over the course of the season. Um, but I, I think for me, what's been interesting about it, uh, and you mentioning like the variation, like just the variability and how it's been very unpredictable like you were saying I think that you and I were talking earlier about how uh, and I know Drager's mentioned he's kind of bemoaned it a little bit about it just seems like less people are willing to trade you've mentioned that um, and I think that's true to agree and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's things have just this season and last year uh, things have just been so unpredictable you've had guys that had breakouts over the past year year and a half and now we're all having to question okay is it just because the pitchers were able to, like, increase their spin rate and make their stuff unhittable? Uh, or are they actually legitimately good now? And we have only one month of them not using these these foreign substances to prove it or disprove it. And same with hitters. Like, you know, Joey Gallo is a guy I traded for last year thinking I was buying low, and he just was terrible last year, was terrible the first three months of this season, uh, two, three months of this season. And now – the you know average spin rate of a fastball in the in the league has dropped like 300 RPM or something like that. So it's like you're not having these crazy unhittable fastballs, and Joey is just going buck wild now. So it's like, is that going to continue to that degree for the rest of the season and, and onward, or is he, or is he somewhere in between? It's just made it hard for teams, myself included. It's just made it almost impossible to uh, to to really get a pure evaluation of the players that you like on your own roster and on other rosters and on waivers and, and make those decisions you know, with some sense of clarity of like, okay, what am I getting in return if I drop this player and pick up this player? Am I losing something that's going to you know, go off or am I you know, getting something that's just going to fizzle out or what have you? Uh, so I think that's kind of played into it. So I'll be interested to hear your take on that and kind of how that's, how that's played into the way you evaluate your own team with the, you know, it's just making it uh, so frustrating to figure out what is the new normal uh, in the league, and how it's kind of maybe caused frustrations for you on waivers and, and in trade talks and what have you.
1: Yeah, I mean, before getting into that, I mean, I just want to say it's not, it hasn't been all bad or uncertain, though. I mean, who doesn't enjoy... A nice uh, Sergio Romo strip on the mount uh, on the sideline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> or a little uh, little Max Scherzer. Yeah. Joe baseball's
0: female viewership has skyrocketed in recent weeks. <laughs> uh, no. I mean, it used
1: to just have to be like staring at the pants, but now it's like you know. Maybe yeah, a you don't to have to leave much up full to the imagination inflation. these days. <laughs> like they don't have to go through an airport to be checked down that well. So you know. <laughs> um, But I guess just for evaluating, like, team and things like that, I mean, for me, I feel like it doesn't extremely change my strategy as much as it may change others, Um, just because, like, I mean, you know that I'm one of the most um, adamant about, you know, streaming pitchers and using, like, those three, four spots to kind of get guys I'd like in a matchup particular to get me some more counting stats. Um, I mean, I just was looking at the standings and the season stats, and then there's a reason I'm The very last in ERA and WHIP is because it's so volatile strategy, but it's also kept me competitive in a lot of matchups um, that I really shouldn't have been. Um, I think, for instance, I think uh, the matchup I beat Tyler in recently. I just had some really good streams that week, and that kind of helped me, you know, beat him in like three to four of the pitching categories. That typically, had I just kind of sat on the guys I had, especially with the injuries that I have, losing like four of my top five guys right now, like it's been. Uh, a strategy that I've implemented and I think for me knowing the guy's healthy and going to start the game has been nice Uh, and so streaming that's easy to do Um, but kind of when you have guys like that leave in the first inning because they got ejected uh, because they threw at a batter or um, like the kind of those kind of things it kind of really kind of throws the rest of the week on the matchups and stuff unless you pick up guys to stream Mm -hmm. Um, and so in that sense, it, it could be somebody like, I don't know, we'll say if you traded the house for Garrett Cole and then this really affects him long-term, like, it could be something that it's like, man, like, I lost a lot of value by getting a guy like Garrett Cole, and he's just not the same Garrett Cole that I paid for.
0: Yeah, or um, Trevor Bauer, too, with his, I mean, he's, he, I mean, now he's got his whole legal situation going on, but he was starting to, to turn into, like, pre-2020 Trevor Bauer with the Foreign substance crackdown. So yeah, and even like you said, that affects the like streaming. It seemed like there was no shortage of good streaming options heading into June this season, just because like anybody you picked up could go off and have like six shutout innings with seven strikeouts, and um you know especially if you were smart about the matchups you streamed. But like now it's now kinda, it's like they're just having volatile. these blow up games where guys are going out and they're three innings, four and in runs. You know, five walks, like, they're just getting destroyed.
1: Yeah, I've been on the bad end of that a lot. Yeah. Not pitching-wise, but just hitting-wise. Like, we've had, I think, three games this week that have been 15-plus runs scored. And, like, Cody's had hitters on all of those teams, and they've just gotten, like, five to eight RBIs. And it's like, oh, my yeah. gosh. So
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely added quite a bit of... Um it's just like i said it's just gonna be hard to figure out what's the new normal is this uh is the is the pendulum gonna swing i mean because teams aren't constantly evaluate. like you said it's chess they're constantly evaluating they're constantly figuring out how to give themselves an edge in any given matchup um so eventually like you know it's gonna to have to even out somehow or there's gonna be a back and forth tug and pull but um yeah i mean it's just it's it's going to make it like one of the things that I've been talking about with, you know, with Chris and Cody and some others is, is like, and I think I mentioned it to, to Brendan or Matt maybe, but like, um, it's just, you know, for, for the longest time because pitchers were just going insane and all these pitchers were breaking out. It was like, okay, the, the top hitters have all of a sudden become very valuable, um, because nobody else can hit except for the top hitters. Uh, and now it's kind of evening out to where it's like, okay, well now it's, it might be worth stockpiling some pitchers because all these young prospects are coming up and getting shelled. So they're not really worth all that much. And, um, all these hitters who haven't been able to hit for the past year and a half are all of a sudden figuring out how to hit again. So, um, maybe it'll be easier to find hitters on waivers moving forward as opposed to making pitching, pitching pretty hard to come by once again. So, um, but, yeah, I, th- I think just to kind of circle back, I think it's definitely impacted. Like, I was looking at trades. Um, I, I Because ESPN pretty much can't, just deletes all league data previous to, you know, the most recent three seasons, I can't see how many trades were made in our first year. Uh, 2019, though, we had 60 trades made across the, the season before the trade deadline um last year in the shortened season things were weird there were only 18 trades so i think that like there was a sharp downturn where um like nobody was really sure about anything nobody wanted to make big trades last year in a shortened season that you know might impact their future seasons all that much Uh this year we've kind of striking a little bit of balance we're we're at 26 trades so far this season um and was just talking with cody earlier um the trade deadline's coming up we're gonna we're we're back to aligning because we we changed the deadline last season just to account for the short year and the, and the weird schedule um, but this year we're going back to the july 30 trade deadline to um to mirror mlb's deadline so that leaves us with this month to make trades uh and we're we're only at 26 so there's there's a bit of um credibility to the fact that there's just been less trading this season than maybe we were used to in year one and two um but so much of that still is just this wave of uncertainty that has continued from last year and into this year with all the changes in performance to it's just hard to figure out who do i feel okay trading because we're not sure what version of any given player we're going to get for the next two to three years in a lot of cases but shameless plug. I'll um I'll mention. I just said the trade deadline. I'll put that in the announcements on our our new league Discord. So if you haven't, I already checked saw it. out.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that.
0: Yeah, if you guys haven't hit that link uh, and joined the Discord, um go ahead and do so because that's gonna be a pretty. We're gonna. I'm hoping that's gonna be. I know some guys like Brandon and Matt and Drager and others have mentioned like, oh, it'd be cool to have this for the league. Uh, I'm new to it, but it seems pretty cool. So hopefully it'll be a nice place to for everybody to be able to more consistently see league communications instead of, like, something getting posted on Facebook and only half the guys see it or something getting posted in the, the group text and only half the guys pay attention to it or whatever because it's just a cluttered mess in that group text. Um, so hopefully that'll make communications and, and league announcements and stuff like that a little more easier. But, uh, yeah, where were you saying you were going to mention about that?
1: I was wondering where we – like, so two years ago, the trade deadline was the same day
0: yeah so up until last season the trade deadline had always we just coincided it with the major league baseball trade deadline in our so our 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 league would observe that um just for consistency sake it was an easy day it fell uh there was like one month left of our our fantasy regular season after that trade deadline um so it kind of it let people shake things up and and make for a playoff push. Uh, You know, and to let guys decide if they wanted to sell, you know, before playoffs got too close or whatever. Uh, It was just an easy date for everybody to track. Um, And then last season we changed it because the the season started in like June. So I would have given you like no time for people to to do anything. And so um, we extended it last year to the end of August um, or September 1st or something like that, I think. Uh, which, if if I recall, might have still coincided. I can't remember. That might have still coincided with the MLB trade deadline last year. I just can't remember what what the MLB did with their trade deadline last season. Um, but yeah, so we're we're falling back to to July thirtieth this year, sticking with the MLB deadline. It's actually, it's
1: actually August second.
0: Oh, then yes, August second. I think that's actually what it is in ESPN. Then that would make that would make sense. Um, yeah, so it'll be whatever the MLB deadline is, August second. Then um, we'll we'll follow that, we'll observe that, and uh, shameless plug again for that Discord. If that's something you guys are pissed about and you want to see changed, put it in the rule change proposals thread.
1: Yeah, I know we've been talking a lot about values, Seth, and I know that's something me and you wanted to talk a little bit about here on the podcast <laughs> on values, and so. Wanted to get your uh, get your take on the values of players and matchups and all that kind of stuff.
0: Alrighty, hit me.
1: Well, that was my question. It's open ended for you. Oh, I know you.
0: <laughs> well, the world is my oyster with that response. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, like, like, how do mean. I evaluate players, or like, what what do I or value? Like
1: what What you feel like the the league kind of feel for value of players is right now, as well as um, just you know like veterans that are performing now versus prospects versus rebuilds versus, you know, competitors this year.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe so that way
1: people can get an idea for what they may need to trade if they want to, what direction they want to go this week. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Well, yeah. Um, I mean, you and I have talked about this a little bit. I think there's been, um, because the first two years we had so much turnover in the league where we had, some managers that started out and did the draft with us that didn't stay active or they just like intentionally tanked their teams and so we we kind of got rid of some of these guys that were dragging the league down uh and that meant we introduced guys like you guys like clayton guys like bradley uh tyler so i mean that 40 percent of our league is not guys that were at the and, you know that didn't draft their team which you've mentioned several times before about how that's impacted your your approach to your roster um, as that applies to the value I think so for that first you know for the first year and a half uh, or I guess that you know that second year um, and even a little bit last year um, there are a lot of teams that who didn't get a draft their team and um, who started stashing a lot of prospects like Tyler, I think of just stashed a ton of prospects, Clayton. um, He hasn't gotten a lot of top prospects, but he's gotten a lot of, you know, solid prospects that he's stashed um, to kind of get his team to be younger, to to put more guys that he just knows he wants, knows he likes on his roster. Um, Something they can have, you know, they can have a little more control over. Um, And Bradley's done a little bit of that in in different trades and such. It's kind of, Getting a lot, and so there was this kind of swing where these teams that didn't draft started going really heavy on the prospects. Uh, meanwhile, teams like Matt, teams like Brendan, myself, uh, Cody kind of stuck with. I mean, Cody's roster hasn't tra- changed all that much since he drafted. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the other teams in the league were Chris and Chris, you know, were kind of scooping up guys that are performing well on waivers, improving their team kind of making runs for the playoffs um and so there's there were these two different kind of approaches where a lot of several teams weren't really happy on prospects um and in the meantime there were there was a a glut of really good players on waivers because they were they were trying to rebuild you know they were trying to get these young prospects on their roster instead and foregoing the guys that were putting together a hot streak on waivers or breaking out or whatever uh and so i think in the recent year year or two in response to that, um, it, it's a trend that hasn't really continued quite as heavily. There's like Tyler still, I think, still has a ton of prospects, um, but like you don't have a ton of prospects anymore. Bradley uh, has like one or two, I think, that aren't on, and that aren't playing at the major league level right now. Um, but like that, that trend has largely kind of subsided. Uh, a lot of those prospects that you and Bradley and others were stashing. Have gotten the call up and are now performing and, and giving them stats and such um but then guys like drager and we're trying to and uh maybe one or two other guys i, I don't have all the rosters in front of me but i know drager is a guy who in response to that sort of trying to capitalize on it so he started hoarding a lot of prospects more so for the sake of trying to trade them and farm them out and and get good players in return um I think that's a little misguided at this point just because there's not a ton of players. I mean, you got, like, Brandon who's openly saying, like, yeah, I'm rebuilding. That's something that would interest me. But outside of that, like, there's not a lot of teams that are saying, like, yeah, I didn't draft this team. I'm rebuilding. I'm not comfortable with what I've got. I'll trade you for prospects. <laughs> but so there's, like, I don't know. It just seems like there's, there's one or two teams that are hoarding prospects and trying to put a really high price tag on them, and there's not a lot of teams... Competing to try and get those prospects on the roster, and 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 willing to bid up on the price. Um, so I, I think we've seen that trend shift a little bit, um, and I think it's evident in waivers. Like you look at waivers, there's just not a lot of good, like really highly performing veteran players on waivers. And if there are, they get scooped up really quickly, uh, because most guys are now in a point where it's like, okay, I'm I'm trying to be competitive, and I'm trying to fill out these one or two weak spots on my roster and just add depth here and there. Um, so, I, yeah, I think things have certainly balanced out in our league over the past year, um, this season particularly. Um, I still think there's like a couple of teams that might value prospects too highly, uh, and that's just me. I've From the get-go of the league, I've been pretty conservative about prospects. I just don't think... We're 10 teams. Our lineups are deep, but our our rosters as a whole aren't in, aren't really deep enough to to justify holding prospects that are like, you know, a year and a half, two years away in my mind, just because, um, you know, you're not – when you do that too much, you don't get any utility from your bench. You don't have any depth if you have a lot of injuries. We've seen a lot of injuries this year. So it just compounds. But um, I think there's like a minority of teams that are in that category. that they go too heavy on, on the prospects now? Um and I think for the most part, like it's most of the teams have kind of been smart about waivers and have realized like okay, that's how you get the the increment how you, how you incrementally get better and how you improve your team to get into the playoffs and and perform better month over month is just by being active on waivers and being savvy that way. Um, so I mean, yeah, that's I don't know if that answers your question quite where you were getting at, but that at the same time, you know, there's guys like. Miguel like teams are being smart and you don't have guys holding on to ancient players like there's guys like Miguel Cabrera who had a really good month of June but he's he's only batting against righties and he's like 40 years old so it's like like nobody's rushing to waivers to grab him because they know it's like there's a diminishing return on that you know and it's it's this is about as good as it's going to get at this point so uh, I think the league has by and large kind of smartened up and um has had a pretty wise approach to their rosters. Uh, I think there's a couple exceptions, like a lot of teams that, like Tyler's a team that I think of who, he was really smart when he started his rebuild, he just got rid of his relief pitchers because he was, he was always like bottom four of the league, it didn't matter if he won saves hold, if he was never improving anywhere else, so he dropped all his relief pitchers or traded them and then started streaming pitchers and getting all these good pitchers that are now on his roster uh, but he's still kind of, he's like in third place in the league and still punting on on a category every single week that could help him and that could help him get better ratios, get more strikeouts with good relievers. I think there's a handful of good relievers on waivers that could, you know, easily help him start winning some of that, you know, winning that category and getting more strikeouts and better ratios right now. Um, Whereas like a guy like Brendan, a guy like Brendan, who's openly in the rebuild process um you know, I don't. I don't know what good it does him to hold on to Kenley Jansen and hold on to Hector Reese and some of these relievers, um, if he's, you know, if he's, if he's serious about the rebuild. Like, what does it matter if you have these veteran relief pitchers doing good for you every week? If, if all you care about is improving the youth and the actual depth of your roster. Um, so, I don't know. I I think that that's one strategy that I think the league. Um, has fluctuated a lot because a team like Tyler had a lot of success in going with no relievers. You've seen teams like Cody and Drake or Cody's flipped the script now, but Drager's gotten rid of a lot of his relief pitchers. I think he's only got one. Um, And uh, I think like Matt or maybe a few others. um, Yeah. I'm down to three. Yeah. A lot of guys have just, whereas most guys in the league will try to have five or six a year or two ago, guys are really carrying for the most part, four or three. Just because otherwise they've realized, oh, snap, if I'm trying to hold on to all these relievers, I'm losing all these starting pitchers that I could stream or that I could add. Um, but it's so it's still fluctuating quite a bit. I would say there's still plenty of utility and relief pitchers. Like there's uh, I think a balance should be struck more so. And maybe that's just something where we have to decide as a league. Do we want to even incentivize carrying relief pitchers or not? I personally think there's a lot of value if you can get good relievers, and there's plenty of good relievers in the league. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, if we're my team, if I'm rebuilding, I don't care about saves hold. I'm, I care about making every other asset of my – every other facet of my roster better. Um, whereas if I'm a team that, you know, I'm top three, top four in the league, I know I'm going to get a playoff spot. And when the playoffs come and it's win or go home, that one category might make the difference. So if I'm Tyler, I'm like, "Hey, I'm willing to to make some trades, get rid of some of these prospects and and start getting some top relievers on my roster to, to get me more strikeouts, get me a better ERA and help me start winning that extra category because that could be the difference between you tying and getting knocked off knocked out in the playoffs or you going 6-5 and 1 or you know, 7 and 5 and advancing or winning the championship." So um that's that's my approach to that strategy and kind of as far as like you're like in the bigger picture of value roster construction how do you value players that would be my take on that but otherwise i think the league is pretty much averaged out and you know there's there's no major outliers there's a few minority outliers as far as like the the saves hold thing or the prospects thing like we talked about um would you i don't know do you do you agree with that would you disagree with that
1: yeah, I mean, I agree that there's definitely a lot of relief pitchers on the waivers right now that could really do help teams and things like that. I mean, just even looking at like the top ones available, it's yeah. it's crazy that a couple with over 20 safe holds a piece and under three ERA. So it's not like they're doing bad. Yeah, um, like just a couple like Ottavino and Tyler Rogers jumping out to me, and I'm just like, they haven't even had bad seasons. They've actually been doing really well. Yeah. Um, and been given opportunities, but they're still on the waivers and they've been on there for a while. I know that they were on teams previous this year, but um, I guess I'm kind of one of the ones that falls into that category. That's just like, I'm kind of at the point with my team that, you know, I'm middle of the pack with safe holds. I'm not going to be winning the category most of the weeks. And so if somebody wants to, you know, make a run this year and, you know, buy a couple relief pitchers low, I mean, I've got uh, one that I got the best this year, the most successful one. So feel free to hit me up, league. But Because, um, I mean, I've been thinking about it because, I mean, I'm not looking to keep him long-term. But, I mean, yeah. he could definitely have somebody this year um, who's kind of, you know, been frustrated by losing that, especially if you're playing a guy who's got, like, Clayton, who's got, like, you know, six or seven good relievers. And it's like, all right, cool. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, I mean, you look at Chris's team, I think that's been a huge part of his success is he's got – Craig Kimbrell he's got Josh Hader and a, a, a handful of other really good relievers and like people look at that and they're just like oh that's that's dumb it's just helping you in one category and I, I mean Chris has consistently been like he's only finishing behind Cody and saves hold this year and Cody himself I mean, if has... you get a
1: if you get a reliever who pitches four or five times a week like Kimbrell does or something like that that I mean, they're they're putting in yeah they're putting in, your, in a lot of work ring, and I I misspoke out. there
0: but like Chris is Chris has finished s- consistently second in the league behind Cody in strikeouts every and like Cody himself has six relievers right now but like like you're saying when you get guys like Hader Kimbrell like they're yeah they're getting you save holds and they're probably getting you in a p- good position to win that category but that's like two or three strikeouts every outing and. If they're, like, the good guy, like, the most of the good ones outside of the the blow-up outing they have every so often, like, they're getting you no earned runs, so they're helping you get a really good whip and a really good ERA. So if you do have, if you're like me, and you have the misfortune of owning Dylan Bundy and Kenta Maeda, like, you you, you stock up on some good relievers, and all of a sudden, that blow-up outing where they gave you four runs in, in four innings, you know, looks a lot less when you start pairing all of those outings from your relievers and now it's like oh if I count all these relievers it's really like four runs across 12 innings with a lot of strikeouts so it's like it helps drive down your team's ratios as well it's where they're contributing in four categories and like you've mentioned in the past occasionally these guys that go in in high leverage situations come away with the win so I mean they're contributing in four or five out of the six pitching categories uh so if like i, I that's why i think it's like it's just a smart strategy t- to own some good oh, receivers I
1: mean, it's, it's also the direction that the league is going to i mean a lot of teams have got six man rotations and stuff so those starting pitchers you have like the 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 frequency of two start weeks are just like almost yeah. impossible yeah um, so that's why, like, I've streamed pitchers because it's like, all right, well, I could live with my, you know, my one guy who throws once a week, or you know, maybe stream guys that, like, you know, will actually help now versus later. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, and that's another thing that's made Chris really successful. Is like, he's he's been like you. He's streamed a lot of pitchers, um, and he's had a lot of good. I mean, it's a. It's helped him find. Like, I don't think if I don't think Chris would have. Happened into Carlos Rodon if he wasn't willing to stream him in the first place, but Carlos yeah, Rodon gotta, and he dr- drop he dropped them. him I think once or twice like he he was truly streaming Carlos Rodon, and then he kept giving Chris good outings and so he's just held on to him, like I mean is that <laughs> that's that's part of the strategy in streaming is like the objective of streaming pitchers like Tyler's done with his rebuild, the objective of streaming pitchers should be to never have to stream pitchers anymore. Like it should be, I'm going to stream until I find these guys that are diamonds in the rough. And then like you're saying, you're they've those three, or four spots that you keep rotating in and out of eventually get filled by guys who you don't want to drop anymore. Um, so, yeah, I think that's,
1: yeah. I'm, it's, I've it, got a couple guys on my team already this year that I've done that with. I mean, I think, like, James Caprillion's been pitching me for me all year, but I think I streamed him, like, two, three times the first couple outings yeah. he pitched, dropped him, and then picked him back up. I, I think people are starting to catch on, though, because uh, I think it was Bradley or something picked up Flexin the other day, yeah. and I, I'd streamed him literally, like, I think six times in a row. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I literally dropped him and picked him up for no dollars, and then I saw he got picked up, and I was just like, no, I was planning on pitching him on mo- <laughs> on Sunday. Like, he's part of my roster. Do you not know this? Like like yeah, my, my extended
0: they're my taxi squad dude come on
1: yeah they're the they're the b team i bring up every now and then yeah. you know they're they're my the waivers is my minor league i don't know why people are trying to eat <laughs> all starting pitchers on the the waivers is just justin's overflow yeah it's my minor league
0: so. <laughs> yeah man yeah so i think it's been fun to see you guys catching on and using some of these strategies but like using them wisely and kind of like like Tyler and Chris a lot of these guys in the league previous to joining it hadn't uh, hadn't done fantasy baseball so it's kind of it's fun to see some of these guys um le- like using these strategies and leveraging them and and getting really solid rosters as a result um
1: and I think that's also as you kind of said too I think that it's one of those things that I've enjoyed the competitiveness of this year and everything and I know that um, this is one of the first dynasty leagues I've played in, but mm-hmm. um, I know it's always not something you do immediately. But I mean, I would like to put it out there at some point. If these are the guys that are going to be sticking around long term for it, maybe putting together you know a redraft date, so making it fun again. But that's just me putting it out there because I, I like the idea of continuing to build too. But then. There are going to be sometimes when you get to a defeated point of like, all right, well, I have to wait three years in order to have my chance, and so it's kind of like, all right, cool. So I'm just putting it out there if that's something that yeah, I mean, anybody might, shares my interest.
0: You might have people coming to burn you at the stake for saying that. You gotta be careful. <laughs> but... I mean, hey, I mean,
1: <laughs> I I've, I've just been like, you know, being in these discords and everything and hearing like, oh, well, we've done like three redrafts in the ten years, and I'm like. But we're in year f- four? Yeah, we're in year four, and uh, half of us didn't draft our team. So, but. Yeah,
0: I think if they're every year to have done it, it would have been last year, just because it was already such a weird year. But, yeah, put it out there. Use the uh, shameless plug, use the Discord, and put it in the rule proposal, Justin. <laughs> um, oh, always. So, kind of the last thing that I had was as a little uh, exercise to end things on. On the, the Google Sheet document that I uh, have been op- updating and posting, I'll put that in the Discord too so we can have it there, but it's on the Facebook page. Um, the, the June stats. My, my theory with doing it all was that June was going to be a good indicator of how things might look moving forward. Not a perfect indicator. There's going to be fluctuation, injuries, trades, waivers, such, um, but it might be a good indicator of how, the pecking order in the league looks moving forward based on how it impacted everybody's offense and pitching. Um, so the June expected standings, using that little very rudimentary formula that I put together that was actually somewhat surprisingly um, accurate in terms of how teams, most teams did perform. Um, the June expected standings would have had Cody in first place, um, my team in a distance second, drager's team uh just a little bit behind me and then chris a little behind drager and then it was a a pretty close cluster of matt yourself rounding out fifth and sixth place bradley close on your heels and brendan close on bradley's heels Uh, and then tyler who had a, a pretty horrendous month of june um finished ninth in or with the June expected standings and then Clayton rounding out which both Bradley and Clayton have had better months previous to June and they had a lot go wrong in the month of June. So I think them being a ninth and 10th is a little misleading and, and it's probably closer. Uh, but given that order, Cody, myself, Drager, Chris, Matt, you one through six, and then Bradley, Brendan, Tyler, Clayton, seven through 10. Um, how would you shake up that order as far as what you expect the standings to be kind of the rest of the way and how you expect the playoff picture? What would your projections, your predictions be?
1: For the, like, for the finish of the season, the next seven matchups?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of what you, what you think the end of the year is going to look like. If you think that's a pretty good indicator of what you think the, the standings will look like at the end of the season, or if you differ.
1: Yeah, I think, for sure i think the only two teams that are you know like gonna be locked in there for sure are gonna be draker and cody i think they just have a really big lead on everyone right now mm-hmm. and they'd have to have some really bad matchups which i think they're very competitive in most of the categories yeah. and are pretty active and i don't see that happening unless like half of cody's team gets hurt mm-hmm. unexpectedly <laughs> and he just loses 0 12- 0- 0- 12 every week um which is not gonna happen yeah um but then honestly I think it's gonna be like that two to two to six spots gonna be active in the next like four weeks, I think you'll see, pretty much up to the trade deadline. And you know, then we'll kinda see a little bit more clarity, I think, with that happening. Um, we'll probably have a couple more teams probably pull away in that time. But um, really uh, probably your team's gonna be gonna move one of those ones that pulls away. I mean, the way that your hitters are hitting right now is just kind of insane. I mean, Kyle Schwarber, yeah. I wanted to give him a shout out. If Kyle Schwarber keeps playing like
0: the uh, reincarnation of Mark McGuire's peak steroid years, then I think I'm in good shape.
1: <laughs> right? So as long as he doesn't go cold for you, yeah. uh, I think that your, your hitting is just kind of like jumped off. I'm like, look, I look at your stats each week, and I'm just like, man, you've got that many home runs. It's like it's insane. I yeah. haven't hit that many, I think, all season. Um, and so I think that with you pulling away, I think that, I like the outlook of Tyler's team to start kind of creating some distance, and I really think it's going to fall to kind of like myself, Chris, Bradley, Matt, are going to be the ones kind of really fighting for those last two spots. Um, But, I mean, that's me every year. I'm always fighting for that little playoff chance to get to you in the finals for a repatch. Yeah, that's
0: all you you need is to make (laughs) – once you make the playoffs, man,
1: it's If we play each other again – if we play each other again and go 6-6, six, six, I'm 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 creating some kind of controversy like I'm, <laughs> If I'm we play each other again Cody and go 6-6, six, six,
0: then there's a good chance that you get the tiebreaker against me this time. Um I'll
1: call him BS if that's the yeah. case. So what um, would
0: you uh let's let's put some names on it. Who are your your 1 through 6 in order best to worst?
1: Best to worst? Yeah. I think Cody's one. Um I think probably as it stands right now, hitting and pitching wise, I think you're two. Okay. Um, much as I hate on Drager, uh, I think he's put together a team that's stayed healthy and stayed performing. So he's probably at three. Okay. Um, so this is rest uh, of the
0: season? This is rest of the season?
1: Like, like, way they finish? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, without, without, like, obviously, unforeseeables with injuries and everything like that. I think that's probably going to be the one through three. Okay. Um, outside of that, um, I think that, Tyler, as bad as of a month he had, I still like a lot of his guys that are healthy and performing. Mm-hmm. Um, let me look at his team again real quick. Yeah, yeah. On. as long as he's got a lot of young pitchers on his team, and so they could have really slumping like months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that's the case, then he could drop further. Um, obviously, he's missing uh, Lament and Strasburg. Um, yeah. As well as Severin and sack. but if he gets those guys, if he gets any of those guys back, and Saval, like if he gets any of those guys back, they're gonna help him and kind of continue to to balance him out. Yeah. Um, so I like I like him being four. I think that I'm kind of as long as I'm able to stay competitive and I don't just decide to you know uproot my team and just say all right, F it, I'm gonna sell. <laughs> um, I think I'm kind of in that range with him. Um, but I think like I don't think I really have a strong ranking between myself, Tyler, and Chris. I think that we're kind of all kind of very different strategies, and it could pay off or not pay off, yeah, uh, depending on how the the league of baseball turns. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do like Matt and Bradley's teams. I think that they've been doing really well, so I think that they may, you know, take a take a rub. So when I say like the ranking of those, I'm not you know putting those in stone as I am putting like the top three or four. Yeah, um, so.
0: that's fair. Yeah. Okay, and then so you so then your your bottom four teams. You're thinking Bradley, Brendan, Matt Clayton, in no particular yeah, order. Yeah, kind of.
1: Yeah, we're yeah, I think Brendan clearly bottom on right now, and I think that that's not because Brendan seems bad; it's just because Brendan's
0: well, this is yeah, he's he's rebuilding, yeah. so he's selling right yeah. now. Yeah.
1: And then Clayton's team has just struggled most of the season. I mean, they could come back, but I don't think Clayton yeah. is active enough. In order yeah. to do that, I'm if he throws a little bit more activeness on here, like, make some trades, make some moves, make some waiver pickups, then maybe he does, but I think Clayton's just kind of, like, content with kind of seeing how the year rides out and then making moves next year.
0: So. Yeah, he's and talking with him, he's kind of been okay with embarking on a subtle rebuild. Like, he's got a lot of aging players like Josh Jonathan, Max Scherzer, guys that are good, and he's... For him it's like I mean if I ride them out, I'm competitive or I could trade them and get young players, but I wanna get young players that he he's being a little picky I think in some ways, which is fair, like you be picky at your team. Um so but he's he's like kinda he's in a pseudo rebuild, if that makes sense. So I could see him yeah, if things don't turn around, he's probably gonna keep being around the bottom and, and he, I, I think this is the time if you want a Max Scherzer, if you want Josh Donaldson or uh, some of those more veteran players on his roster. Um, now's the time to cash in with him. But yeah. Okay, so who would you, between Brendan and Bradley, last question, um, who's knocking on the door if you said you, Tyler, and Chris are all very close interchangeable for those four through six spots. Between Bradley and Brendan, who's your dark horse? to Or, or Bradley and Matt, sorry. Bradley and Matt who's your dark horse to to break into the the playoff standings if you Chris or Tyler falter and fall out of the, the standings
1: uh the dark horse we do love a good dark horse yeah uh, I love Bradley's team I want to see where the current trajectory is um honestly like just off the top of it I would probably go with Matt I think that Bradley's got more injuries okay um currently and I don't think that just looking at the names I don't think that they're going to be coming back. Quickly, um, so they're gone longer than than short term. And honestly, Matt's actually pretty healthy right now. I think that's why he's been so successful in like his last three or four matchups. Yeah. If he put together another three or four of those, obviously, I think I'd play him in one of those matchups. So I'm hoping he doesn't, you know, <laughs> turn it all around. But I mean, if he gets Boyd and guard back, or actually, guard's not coming back till probably end of the season, if anything, right?
0: Um, I don't know. I haven't seen... I think he was projected to be, like, late July, August, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong about that.
1: Yeah, they're actually... I just pulled it up. He's actually not projected until maybe September 1st, so he probably won't even be a factor.
0: Okay. So... Yeah, he... Not in the regular... He'd be a factor in playoffs at that point for our, our fantasy playoffs, but...
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I like Matt's chances better, but, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Bradley makes a run, so... Cool. So it, it really or... depends on how the East faces off against the West.
0: Oh, uh, the if, if you guys are
1: disappointing and you know yeah. give, give some nice matchups to Bradley and Matt, and you know decided to be a little bit more stubborn against like me and Tyler, then they could just swing very quickly.
0: Yeah, man. Tale as old as time. The the rivalry of the East and the West. The beast of the East. And the, 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 the Nah, I don't know. I don't think he has the best. But cool. Well, yeah. That's a I think that's a, a fair evaluation. Well that's all I've got. Is there anything you wanted to add in closing?
1: No, I just wanted to say this has been uh this has been fun, you know. As you said, like uh the kind of the yin to the yang. I kind <laughs> of realised that as we started talking that we're actually the two most active in the league by a lot in <laughs> transactions. Like, it's insane.
0: <laughs> yeah I mean, how
1: many more transactions we have than the next next person. Um, uh, so
0: I love playing mind games with myself, what can I say?
1: pick up drop pick up drop yeah man
0: maybe one yeah. of the I, i'm trying to like send a message to my guys like you're replaceable but i'll come back for you if you start showing out so one of these days they'll start <laughs> like, falling, like so.
1: jesus aguilar
0: yeah man <laughs> yeah well good deal well cool that's all i've got thanks for hopping on justin thanks for taking the time i'll let you get back to what you're you got going on uh, it was good chatting good to get your feedback and your input
1: absolutely sir always and hopefully uh your team will implode and i will pass you
0: <laughs> yes and you and with your spirit <laughs> yes.
1: wishful thinking let's yeah. go <laughs> all
0: right homie i'll talk to you later
1: all right bye Seth. bye all
0: right guys and in closing you get you get an extra treat on this podcast some bonus material here uh, I want to take just a few minutes real quickly and touch on a few prospects or not prospects, players on waivers that are currently available um, that I think could make a difference for some teams. Uh, Justin and I talked about, um, you know, how in the month of June, we saw a lot of offensive performances kind of taking an up, taking and start to take off uh, some pitchers um, maybe started showing their true colors as spin rates went down and they weren't as effective uh, making, Fewer really quality pitchers available on waivers and on rosters likewise, Um, but also more hitters seemingly available that can uh, maybe make an impact in the stretch run as we we close in on the final two months of our regular season. Uh, So no particular order, I just wanted to name off some guys with as minimal commentary as possible um that i think might be worth checking out on waivers that can make a difference on teams particularly if they address a certain need you might have uh so on the hitting side of things there were two seattle mariners players that i was interested in both younger guys uh, that had a really strong month of june um that i think are worth checking out maybe seeing if they could be legit uh the first is jp crawford shortstop for seattle and the second is jake fraley who's the outfielder for Seattle. Uh, Both of these guys had insane months of June. If you go into the player rater uh, or into like add players on ESPN and you can sort just the past 30 days, or if you go to a site like Fangraphs and you can go to game log and you can select a certain range of days, you can look at just the month of June and their splits. Uh, I mean, these guys were Bonkers in the month of June um, a lot of that unfortunately, I think could be BABIP related where they're there's having some good luck on balls and plays a little more fortunate than the average player might be um, But nonetheless some interesting 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 skills uh, I think JP Crawford could be a great Source of stolen bases and batting average from the shortstop position uh, if you're a team that Maybe you've got a lot of really aging shortstops or you just don't have good depth at the middle infield He could be somebody to help address that and fraley kind of similarly a guy who uh showed a lot more power in the month of june than he traditionally did over his course of the minor leagues but he's a great defender a guy that's going to get plenty of at bats if he keeps hitting um and could be a great source for stolen bases as well uh, and maybe a surprising source of power if he keeps this up Um, the next three hitters i wanted to highlight in no particular order uh, i think wilmer flores has been a drastically underrated guy he's a utility player, infielder for the San Francisco Giants. Uh, There's a lot of Giants players that are hitting really well and have been producing a lot of value over the past two seasons, which is shocking because traditionally the Giants' uh, home ballpark was was more of a pitcher's haven. It's become much more hitter-friendly in the past couple years um, with those adjustments they've made to the ballpark's construction. But Wilmer Flores has been nuts. All he does is hit. He gives you a good amount of power, great batting average, good on-base percentage. So Really good ratios, really good counting sets, uh, and he has like four or five positions that he's eligible for. So go check him out. Kiki Hernandez, Enrique Hernandez, uh, second base outfielder for Boston. Um, a lot of the Boston hitters have started to kind of take off in the past month. Their offense has been really good all season long. Uh, but guys like Hernandez, who he's, he's had a lot of up and down stretches, um, very streaky. He's starting to get on another hot streak, though. So if you need help at second base, need some depth in the outfield, uh, he's a guy who can help you out and especially if spin rates are down and he's starting to hit those fastballs a lot better um and especially in a place where like boston they have that short that short porch um on the left field left field with the monster that could turn into a lot more home runs or doubles for him down the road um so he's a guy that i think could be interesting down the stretch and lastly bobby bradley uh first base dh for cleveland my boys um Bradley's a guy who, much like Enrique Hernandez, he's going to be very streaky. He strikes out a lot, a lot of swing and miss to his game. But like he's already shown in his first month of Major League action, uh, he, he's got a lot of power in his bat. So he can go on stretches where he just hits you a home run every day. Um Good young first baseman, a lot of power. Uh, Could be an interesting addition for teams like myself who are relying on very veteran first basemen or just don't have a ton of depth at the corner infield spots and just need some more power in your lineup. On the pitching side of things, five pitchers that um, showed some pretty solid um, reliability over the course of June where a lot of pitchers became much more unreliable with spin rates going down. None of these guys are going to blow you away. None of these guys are huge strikeout guys. Um, But just guys that could give you a lot more um, back-end reliability as far as streaming pitchers or just depth if you have a lot of injuries like we talked about. Teams like Tyler and others have a ton of pitching injuries. So in no particular order, Merrill Kelly, pitcher for Arizona. Zach Davies, pitcher for the Cubs. Ross Stripling, pitcher for Toronto. Colby Allard, young pitcher for Texas, the Rangers, uh, and Drew Smiley for Atlanta. Again, none of these guys are remarkable. None of them have, uh, except for Stripling maybe in the month of June, none of them really had a K per nine over nine. They weren't getting that many strikeouts. Um, But guys that had pretty solid ratios, guys that were getting a good amount of quality starts and, and wins, um, And guys that are just week in and week out didn't have a lot of blow-up performances when they took the mound every five days or so. Uh, So those are guys, particularly I think Kobe Allard as a younger player, he's 23, I believe, um, and possibly even Zach Davies, who's I believe 28, 29. Um, Guys that are younger and could have a little more dynasty value for teams that are looking to fill out the roster um, and, and get younger and possibly build for the next couple years. Uh, and then, like Justin and I mentioned, loads of really good relief pitchers available. I think there are four names right off the bat that I think should be owned, particularly if you're a team that has like one or zero relief pitchers and can very quickly become a competitor and, and put yourself in a position to win that extra category every single week as we move over to the playoffs. Uh, in no particular order, Adam Adovino, Tyler Rogers, Amir Garrett, and... For Toronto, uh, let me double check because I forgot his name. Amir Garrett for Cincinnati, and for Toronto, Jordan Romano. Uh, all of these guys, with with the exception of Garrett, who was uh, struggled with some injuries early on, but. Ottavino, Tyler Rogers, and Jordan Romano have all been just nails all season. They've been super consistent. Jordan Romano has a 1.21 ERA for the season. Uh, the other guys: um, and Tyler Rodgers Tyler Rogers is a 1.40 ERA. Adam Adavino sub 3 ERA. Amir Garrett um, has a bad ERA for the season, but like I said, struggled with injuries early on. Had some blow-up performances. The month of June, he was great. He was lights out. He's been getting a lot of save and hold opportunities kind of back in that saves mix for Cincinnati. Um, those are all guys that I think would be well worth the add. And then another guy, Drew Pomeranz, just came back from the IL. Uh, doesn't quite look like the peak Drew Pomeranz we've seen the past couple seasons as he's shaking the rust off after being on the IL with a, a, a shoulder injury, I believe, which is a little concerning, or maybe it was elbow inflammation. But, um, Either way concerning, but he's back. He's going to get a lot of high leverage opportunities for the Padres who are winning a lot of games. Uh, so that's five guys right there. Um, that could all make a difference for you down the stretch in terms of getting saves hold, driving down ratios with the area and whip um, and getting you a good boost in strikeout numbers as well. That's all I've got. You guys good luck rest of the season. Like I said, um, our, our, Trade deadline is encroaching August 2nd, Uh, I believe it's going to be at noon, just like the Major League Baseball deadline, so ideally get those trades in by midnight uh, August 1st, otherwise there's going to be some confusion, surely. and like I said, we got that new league Discord, so check that out. If there's something that you want to bring to the uh, rule proposal thread, uh, things that you want to see changed in the future, put it there. We can vote on it on the off season. Um, make some changes that you want to see to the league. Uh, otherwise, just get in there, talk smack, and maybe uh, put some trade feelers out there and see what, what responses you got. Good luck in the stretch run, guys. Um, hope everybody's doing well. Keeping safe uh, and. As always, anybody of a Drager this season. <laughs>